the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 96.1. Well, a bright light just walked into my world. <laughs> Brittany Sandoval is in the house. Aloha. Oh, you're going to st- Where's my pineapple? Well, I was going to wait till racery. Oh, she brought Open me. it now so Brendan can have some. No. Brendan can't have anything. Oh, okay. and, and also, when you said bright light, I was like, hey, I've been sitting here the entire time. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you meant Brittany. Oh, okay. Chocolate covered acne. Uh, with macadamia in that. Okay, are you sure you don't want to share that? Get your little. Open it. <laughs> Come on, bubbles. Get in here. All right. By the way, folks, if you didn't figure it out, Brittany went to Hawaii and had a wonderful time. Did you surf? No, I did not. Wait a minute, you're not dark? I know. I actually really tried to stay out of the sun since I work outside. Because you do look like someone that would get tanned. I tan well, do you easily. Really? But again, I work outside, so when I'm uh, not at work, I seek shade. See, I, I just get a nice shade of pink. Oh, uh, my sister-in-law was that way. She went white to pink. Yeah, and I don't care how much sun <laughs> you put on it. Well, actually, the pink gets redder and redder and redder. Oh. Hey, this is Yak Radio brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. Man, I tell you, you got a business out there and you're having trouble hanging on to cashiers. This is the ultimate. Give Southwest Point of Sale a call, 800-540-2149. That's southwestpos.com. Trust me, they can hook you up. Walmart does it. Home Depot does it. Costco does it. What am I talking about? Self-checkout. You don't have to worry about people. They can, the system works better than anything you've ever seen. And the bonus is seven day a week, 24 hour a day service. If you're open, they're open. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You don't have to leave a message. You will get through to either Jeff or Mark. Southwest point of sale. And San Diego propane. Man, I tell you, I love my propane guy. He calls me. I don't know. He has a sixth sense. He knows when my propane needs to be filled. Give him a call. 619-460-1700. Oh five downside. He only handles East County. West Escondido Auto and Trans, four locations, four locations. Go to westautomotivegroup.com. Nap Auto Care, ASC certified, AAA approved. Geez Louise, you can't get it any better than that. Three year, 36,000 mile warranty. Clear across the United States. Five, five locations because Oceanside. Now he's got five? Yeah. Why does he just take over the country? I know. It's going to sweat it from San Diego all the way out to El Centro. Jeez Louise. But hey, he's got a work ethic. He's got a profile. Mm -hmm. Every shop's the same. Yep. Do you go there? I do, yes. I go to the El Cajon location because- Oh, of course you do. Yep. And it's awesome. It's right next to 511 Tactical, so you can go ahead and get That's true. That's true. That's true. See, I know. All right. Hey, folks. It's a little bit of a sad show today, and that's why Brittany is in our- uh, it's amazing how Brittany lines up unbelievable superstars to come on our radio show. I mean, it's one of the things I admire about her. And if you've ever been in the motorcycle world, Peter Starr is somebody you would never forget. He was a filmmaker, an author, a racer, 
a motorcycle enthusiast. I mean, this guy did more things with motorcycles than anybody I've ever met. Unfortunately, he passed away with cancer uh, last week. Actually, July 3rd, he was 80 years old, and they were packed. His life was totally packed. Hey, did Norm call in yet? Yes. Hey, hey norm how you doing buddy <laughs> so doing good how you been dude well not too bad but you know isn't it ironic that all of the guys that, that we've known throughout the history of of the sport that we love are now slowly but surely passing on well i suppose it's the way we measure time and also the way we pass we measure our advancing ages but mm-hmm. uh you know i mean he, you know he had a great life and oh. um I, I, he had so he wore a lot of hats. People don't talk enough about his early days as a disc jockey. Yeah, like, I thought about that here. first. The British invasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was right at the forefront of that whole thing. And and um, I, I tell you, I think I probably spent as much time chatting with him about that as mm-hmm. anything else because it was just must have been an intriguing time. Because yeah. you know, like nowadays, everybody's on Facebook or whatever. Sure. But if there was a touchstone for the 60s it was music and being a disc jockey in that era would have been unbelievably uh in tune with the cultural changes going on it was it was an amazing time for him to have had that career And, and you know i'm a firm believer right place right time and uh, trying new things because oh. that was part of his character like how much experience do you have five minutes before he's like yeah i'll do that <laughs> and, and it seemed to bleed over to his filmmaking as yeah. well he signed up and he's like i'll figure it out yeah. and he sure did oh you so want to put a motorcycle you want to put a camera on a motorcycle oh sure i'll no figure problem. that out yeah. i'll figure that yeah. out it seemed to be a yeah, testament really, was, to his character that, that, that's the part where where he really was the innovator in terms of the motorcycle side of the guy was that he was so um, ahead of the curve in the in videography. I mean, yeah. in, in nowadays it was all podcasts and things like that, but that's hardly novel. What was novel about about Peter was 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 these films that he made and documentaries in times when there was precious few people doing this sort of thing. I mean, there was Gavin Tripp who convinced ABC why World of Sports mm-hmm. to cover the United States Motocross Grand Prix at Carlsbad. And the first year, the guy who was in charge of making that happen was, you've probably heard of him, his name is Bob Iger. Ugh. Who's now the head, runs Disney. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there was a lot of these guys that were just, uh, you know, ahead of their time in getting um these getting sports out into uh into documentaries and into the film and peter was at the forefront of that and and wouldn't you say it was passion driven it wasn't driven about trying to make a living it wasn't driven about trying to make money it was he was in the right place he was in the right time he knew a lot of people and he seen that something needed to be done for the motorcycle community and to talk these guys like Iger and to get, I mean, my gosh, he got money out of Hodaka for <laughs> God's sake. I mean, well, that was that early, yeah, that yeah. early documentary. Yeah. And stuff. I, you know, I, I kind of get the impression that Peter had a side to him that could sell ice to the Eskimos. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But, 
but you know what, where you know, he was just really at the forefront of, of the video side of things and, uh, and the movies and, you know, things like take it to the limit yeah. is where he was really ahead of his time and, you know, kind of blazed a new trail. I yeah. mean, now everybody looks back on Frankenheimer's grand Prix or, uh. or the, the, um, financial disaster that was, Le Mans for Steve McQueen and anybody in the orbit of that thing. But now everybody looks back on it and it documented in, in, in a time that we otherwise wouldn't have to look back on. Yeah, I know. In fact, Brittany is sitting here thumbing through the hardcover coffee table book, Take It to the Limit, which was autographed to Brittany's dad, who, <laughs> I have to tell you, I gave him the, the story of Valentino Rossi. So the first thing her dad did is he went in, got his Valentino Rossi helmet, put it on, and read the book. <laughs> he went with on a Valentino Rossi helmet yep. to wear the book. Wouldn't to read, read the book. book. Yep. Wouldn't read the book. What? Which version? Which which Valentino Rossi helmet? I mean, there's only been like a hundred. Yeah, I know. I know. Right? Well, I, yeah, that's a that's a good question. We'll have to ask yeah, him. I have a picture somewhere. And, and by the phone. way, folks, if you don't know Norm Dewitt, Norm Dewitt is as close to Peter Starr when it comes to media and photography and capturing the the essence of motorcycling he's even written how many books now make it faster oh, three the three but the first yeah the, the last two were the making it pa- the faster books but the pr- the first one was the uh, motorcycle grand prix racers the american heroes see i haven't and gotten so, that book so now i'm gonna have to go google it because i there's nothing i love be- well for one thing you write so well anybody whether you're in the sport or you're not in the sport but you're kind of a history buff. Norm definitely can take you on a trip. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm glad you brought that perspective for our listeners. Yeah. Well, because you know, not everybody knows Norm. Yeah, Norm. And Norm is so well known within the industry. I mean, he has spoken with all of the who's who of just about motorsports in general. Because you don't necessarily stick totally to motorcycles, correct? Um, uh, not, not, not at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was, I, my last book was primarily, was completely about the technology over the last, I don't know, three generations, I suppose, the last 60 or 70 years yeah. of formula one and IndyCar. Right. So yeah, I, uh, it, pretty much if it goes fast, I'm all over it. And, uh, I don't care if it's, I mean, I, I, there's things I love as much as anything else, like World War One aviation. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And all right. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Aviation magazines. So. Really? I didn't know that. Hold on a second. We're going to take a quick break. Somebody says we have to pay the bills. And by the way, I've been up in five B-17s. So you and I could do a show just on aviation alone. So hang in there, buddy. Hey, this is Yak Radio with Dave Stahl. It's a Peter Starr tribute with Brittany Sandoval, the racing school teacher, and the old guy on the other side on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, the Peter Starr tribute right here on fm 961 am 1170 the answer that's the lovely Brittany. and this segment's brought to you by south bay auto house you got a mercedes-benz you're looking for an alternative to service you can't beat south 
Bay. Over 25 years experience. Technicians are all trained. They have their own parts department. I'm telling you, they're the best. They're an independent Mercedes-Benz specialist. 619-422-8252. Nobody, absolutely nobody does it better. And if you're thinking about trading your Mercedes in, swing down to South Bay and see if they'll what they'll give you for a trade-in. You might be blown away. And Bumper Docs and scratches, dings, and dents. Nobody, I guess, nobody can do it better. Clean up your headlights. Take out uh, paintless dent repair. It's been around since the 40s. Nobody does it better. Don't have to repaint the car. The massaging of the metal is absolutely mind-boggling. If they let you let them stand by and watch, you absolutely will not believe it. Okay, we got Norm DeWitt on the line. He's part of the tribute. He's well-versed on uh, Peter Starr. But before we do that, my illustrious board op, who's not even old enough to remember these stories that we're telling, but he's truly an enthusiast. He's dug up some uh, interviews. I guess we have done. Would you say? All right, yes. Yeah, sorry, I didn't realize. I, I was shaking my head. That's not good for radio. Yeah, what are you three years old? Yeah, yes. These are interviews we've done with Peter Starr, and uh, one of the interviews that I found very interesting was, of course, because I'm in the radio industry here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is uh, when he first got into radio. So uh, let's take a listen. Let's take a listen. <laughs> well, the other thing you're named to fame. Uh, is being a DJ. I know that's not in the book necessarily, or it is. Well, yeah. It's a little bit of the little front bit of the book, yeah. But you got to hang out with, with bands and, and artists like... Well, I, I came to America in 65, initially to race at Daytona, and um, after the, the event at Daytona didn't go to my liking or anybody else's for that matter, uh, I met a disc jockey at WPDQ in Jacksonville, and uh, he asked me... And you me, met him in a bar. In a bar. <laughs> of course. A victory bar. And... Um, he said, well, can I interview you on the radio? Now, my English accent was much, much thicker in those days, much thicker. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine, you know, sounding like a little bit like Paul McCartney or something like that in northern <laughs> England. Anyway, we did the interview and the phones lit up. And this was 1965 when the English bands were very, very big. And they offered me a job. Just and like that. W- just like that. WPDQ. <laughs> and How old uh, were you? 22. <laughs> and um, How long had you been in the States? I've been in the States about five minutes at that time. <laughs> and he gets a job doing a radio DJ. So I thought that was kind of funny yeah. how yeah. only like just a few minutes into the country, he's already offered a job on the radio. And takes it. And ta- well, would he not? Yeah, that's what but, I uh, so So, Norm, I mean, you and I were just babies back in 65, right? Well, you know, and he and to be honest, Peter was here at just the right time yep. because, you know, if you sounded like a tea bag, everybody wanted to hire you to talk on the radio. Ah, that's you know. perfect. Well, and you're right because of the the Beatles and all the other bands from England that came over. You know, right place, right time. And you know as well as anybody if somebody says, "Hey, Norm, do you want to do this?" Absolutely. Have you ever done it? No. And you're there, right? No, you say, oh, it's like second nature. It's like it's Tim Flannery, you know. Hey, yeah. dude, you want to play? Uh, you want to play third base? Oh, I love playing third base. He never played third base in never. his life. You never. Know? You just learned to say yes. But but I think Peter did such a, a wonderful thing for the motorcycle community from a from a media point of view, from a movie point of view, from an enthusiast point of view. I think he opened the eyes of the American public. About motorcycle he racing. He brought it into the homes. Yeah, he really, really, TV really, really segments. did. Segments, yeah. 
Well, he was certainly an innovator, and yeah. he was in the right place at the right time, and with the right um, with the with the right work ethic combined with um, interests. And I and I think that was one. I mean, I think the last couple times I talked to Peter, most of what he was we were talking about was some sort of cancer. Yeah. And I figured, well, that doesn't sound well. It mm. sound good, but. He took after that like another one of his passions. Yes, and, and a holistic case. approach, I believe. And we're talking about prostate <laughs> cancer, folks. Prostate, which yeah. is the number one killer of men and women in some cases, because a lot of people don't realize women get that same problem. And he did go holistic. And I think, what, he survived another 11 mm-hmm. years? Yeah, I think that's what he said to us. I just remember that that was um, uh, clearly another big passion of his. Yes. And I, maybe the lesson of this is... is if you're going to do something, make it something that you're passionate about and go big. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, he did so many wonderful things. And folks, you can Google him, and you can, and hopefully, you can find the movies like Take It to the Limit. Another one he did was Bad Rock, which was a documentary of the International Six Day Enduro uh, in Oregon. Uh, and he brought a lot of your what we call mainstream writers into the forefront. The Roger DeCostas, the Mike Halewood, Barry Shaheen, and on and on and on. I mean, he because nobody else was doing this back in the day, well, unless not, I'm unless you can correct me. Not to be little, be little Peter in any way, but it, it, you know, it's a little bit like Bruce Brown Light. Because I don't think anybody had the impact on motorcycling that Bruce did with On Any Sunday. Right. (laughs) True. And I I don't think anybody had the impact other than maybe all the beach blanket bingo movies (laughs) that that Bruce had (laughs) with Endless Summer. Oh, so, yeah. and, and this was the same guy. Yeah. So, so, but he, he kind of the same concept, only, um, you know, it, it, it was more, uh, he, he became kind of a hero within this sport as opposed to within everyone. Right. Like Bruce Brown's films. Right. And um, so I think, you know, you got to keep it a little bit of it in perspective here. True. In a lot of ways, Peter was like a lot of us where he was writing stories. Yeah. And but the difference was, is he was always at the forefront of any of the technologies on videos and things. His last few years was motorcycle interviews on podcasts, mm-hmm. and um, everybody's got their got their thing. You know, as as I always tell people, I have a face for radio. So <laughs> I, I tried to get Norm to come in. He goes, "No, no, no, no. I'm just going to call." Yeah, so, so you know, we all have our our, our pluses and minuses, but um, yeah, Peter, Peter was an innovator. He he definitely embraced all the technologies. But probably more than anything else, he was a passionate enthusiast about everything he was involved with. Mm-hmm. And and you and, couldn't help but become, you know, it's infectious. I mean, once he started telling you a program or a something he wanted to do, like mount a camera on a, on a motorcycle at Laguna Seca, you know, where... That's the last thing you need is, what, a 20-pound camera hanging on the side of your bike when you're trying to compete? 
I mean, or off the side of your head. Or yeah, off the side. Yeah. I heard. I read it was eight pounds. So they yeah. put eight pounds on one side of the helmet, and, and so then they had to put an eight, eight pounds pound weight on the, on other, the side. other. That's sixteen pounds just on your helmet. Yeah. But then he ended up making a um, motorcycle truly for the purpose yeah. only, not racing, but just to for capture. the film. Yeah, capturing. Yeah. And, and you could do that in movies. You know, you mount a bike on a trailer and you drag it around and you film it. It's not the same. And that's one thing I think, and you probably know better than I, he was all about authenticity. You know, if you're going to do it, let's do it right. Well, you know, uh, Frankenheimer, when yeah. he did Grand Prix, mm-hmm. when they were filming on the Monza banking, because they didn't run on the Monza banking in 66, that they, uh, the English team threatened to boycott, so they decided to have the Italian Grand Prix not on the banking. But but it was so alluring that Frankenheimer filmed grand prix up on the banking anyway mm-hmm. and they had a um, i think it was a gt40 with a trailer hitch and they had these cars that were like the front or the back three quarters of the car that would hook onto the trailer hitch and mm-hmm. the drivers would get into that so you'd see these scenes where they'd be pounding around on the banking and you'd be looking right at the driver and his hand on the wheel mm-hmm. and everything would be bouncing that, that that poor guy was riding a trailer at, a, <laughs> at 140 miles an hour around the banking at Monza. Hanging on so, for dear life. Well, yeah, hanging on to a trailer, is, you know, this <laughs> doesn't sound to me like it's a whole lot better yeah. than having an eight-pound camera hung off the side yeah. of your head on a motorcycle. I'm so, telling I mean, it was um, definitely the rules were different in those days. Well, absolutely. I mean, nobody was coming in and saying, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do this. Insurance. This, yeah, insurance, insurance lawyers. Yeah. They're all saying, you think you could do that? Yeah. You think, <laughs> yeah, we can make that happen. It was legend. The stories of the drivers, the the, the, the four drivers and the, the movie centered around the Grand Prix where they walked up and if they saw one, they'd see like, let's say, Barlini's Ferrari attached to the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd all look at each other and, and he'd be just like, oh, no. <laughs> like he knew what he was going to have to do today. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, did you ever did you ever have an opportunity to interview Peter? You know, I never interviewed him because we were always in the same paddocks and ah. stuff, and we would we would bump into each other, and, and you know, mm. you know, it's kind of like the guy at the next urinal type of thing, and we would just <laughs> chat each other up all the time. But it was, you know, it wasn't like we would seek each other out. Sure, yeah. we would always cross paths. And well, you were both we always got along. You were both kind of doing. Yours was more photography and and print, and he was more into the video aspect. Would, would wouldn't you say? Well, you know, I know he had his autobiography, and I think all of his books were somewhat autobiographical yeah. as yeah. opposed to uh, topical. Right. And um, you know, and he wrote a lot in magazines, so right. I'd say that that was where our paths crossed. Yeah, was that we were both journal- motorsports journalists. Exactly. All right, hey, hang in there, buddy. Can you stick with us a little longer? Sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Yak Radio. This is the Peter Starr Memorial Celebration of Life with Brittany Sandoval and the old guy on the other side on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. 
folks. Welcome back. You are listening to yeah. Yak Radio Good FM song. 96 AM 1170. The answer. This is a tribute to Peter Starr. We've got Norm DeWitt on the line. But first, San Diego Gear and Axle helps us stay on the air. Be anything undercarriage, two wheel, all wheel, four wheel, quattro, doesn't make no difference. Steve can do it all. Give him a call at 858-449-5656 or go to sdgearaxle.com. Nobody will treat your undercarriage better. Got Norm DeWitt on the line, world-class author and enthusiast, and he was nice enough to call in since uh, him and Peter sort of walked the same walk on the same path. And I know what you mean, you know, because I got tons of journalist friends that I know when I go places you know, we all hang out together and have dinner and what have you. And you may not get really involved, but you do. So, have you got any cool stories about Peter that you can share without getting in trouble? Um, actually, probably not that I could <laughs> could without getting in trouble. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, it was the usual thing where, like, you know, like all of us, we're, we're kind of a pest for people yeah. in the in the industry, and I'm I would certainly heard team managers go, "God, not him!" Yeah. <laughs> Here he comes would again. Say the same thing about me to Peter when I came walking up, you know. So, <laughs> you know, so. it's just that's that's what we are is just professional pests that. Yeah try to ferret out information and in some cases they clearly just make it up well you know i was reading where peter had uh hooked up with hodaka got them to spend six grand got uh pennzoil to throw up another six grand actually almost to seven and they made made the movie and they ran it at los angeles on channel Mm -hmm. 11 and it doubled mm-hmm. their Sunday night ratings. And we all know about TV. It is all about the ratings. Oh. And Dotson, now Nissan, were so enamored by it, they saw the film as an attractive advertising means for their vehicle. And sure enough, they hooked up uh, Peter uh, just to help them out. In fact, he won the gold and silver award at Chicago and Houston International Film Festival. And, you know, Star just uh, said that several elements may take it to a limit, totally successful. So, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Norm, right place, right time. But I think he had the eye, he had the, you know, the, 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 the videographer eye to know what, what would work and what wouldn't work. Yes, and he had the entrepreneurial yes. uh, leanings to try to just just go up to approaching all sorts of people or everybody he knew to try to find funding for these projects. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are kind of, you know, like myself, where it's like, you know, well, I don't really want to bother these people. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the people that are often really successful are the ones that are calling everyone they know and everyone that they're, everyone they knows knows mm-hmm. they pull together money and, and um, he was obviously very successful at it and managed to finance some unforgettable um, adv- adventures and and um, movies. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's funny, too, because the last time we seen him, 
I didn't realize he was almost 80 years old. He doesn't look 80. He doesn't act. He didn't sound And it. he didn't. Well, of course, we knew he didn't act. None of your motorcycle buddies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Lars, Lars Larson. Who's in his book. He mentioned Yeah, and Lars still book, races yeah. today and yeah. wins yeah. at the senior, senior, yeah, well, senior, senior sweet, division. The Swede motocrossers like Torsten Hall. <laughs> yeah, and, Torsten. And, yeah, and, you know, those guys. Those guys are just. I remember I was at a uh, a big reunion for. Um, there was used to be a company up in Los Angeles called Mid Valley CZ. Mm. It was run by the Dettori family. It was a you know it was a mo- truly a mom and pop st- a store. I think it was in Van Nuys, mm-hmm. and they had a like an appreciation for them. It was a private party, and everybody from Joel Robert to Roger DeCoster and and uh, you name it was there. And I remember Torsten Holman. This was ten years ago, and he was just ruling the dance floor. <laughs> and he had the girl that was running the disc jockey, th- that running the turntable. She just put it on automatic, and she wanted to come down and dance with Torsten Holman. <laughs> well, and- Peter's the same way. You should have seen him and Brittany. Oh, yeah. oh my! He invited God. me to tea several times several after that first interview. Times. <laughs> and I think that's the success of his. Of how he li- went through life, and and a lot of people from that era, that's how they live day by. Especially if you're close to danger, let's face it, because a lot of people, yeah. he wasn't just a videographer; he raced as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just don't underestimate how big of a thing motorcycling was in the yes. in the immediate wake of on any Sunday in mm-hmm. 1971. Right. Uh, a good example was when they. When they decided to do the Superbikers, which was a multidiscipline motorcycle race at Carlsbad, where part of it was, most of it was paved, some of it was like a flat track, some of it was like, most, a lot of it was like a motocross track. And in the beginning, it was anything goes, bring what bike you think would be best. Mm-hmm. And so it was mostly motocross bikes that were, or flat track bikes that were, running everything from road racing rain tires to trials tires to you name it in the early days mm-hmm. and eventually it worked out to become super matard bikes mm-hmm. but right. that thing attracted world champions from every from motocross from world road racing to pretty much you name it the right. best motorcyclists in the world were there and they put it on um on television and the super bikers, I remember one, I, I did this history of it for motorcyclists and I found this, this thing on ratings and they had, they would break the super bikers weekend into two uh, shows on ABC and the combined audience from those two shows exceeded the audience for the Daytona 500 and Indianapolis 500 wow. combined. Wow. Combined. <laughs> and, and then number five on the five biggest list was the San Jose Mile. Yeah. So motorcycle racing was had a bigger audience on television right. than any auto racing. And so what a good time to decide to go into the motorcycle racing film business. Right. Right. All right. Now, Brittany's over here thumbing through pages (laughs) to where she's wore out the corners. You're reminding me of a lot of things, but I don't want to interrupt because Norm's doing so well. You remind me of the binder on uh, on the news, you know, the, 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 the press secretary. 
Oh, much. yeah. I hope not. <laughs> no, but only with your book, because <laughs> yeah. you keep flipping. Well, no, he keeps reminding me of stuff, you know, with Is the there ratings. anything right there? Yeah, that's... two things in his book that um, have come up in this segment that Norm kind of reminded me of is, is the ratings. In his second chapter he of um, Taking It to the Limit, he talks about the ratings as well and how it just hadn't been on TV in, ev- in, in everybody's home. Right. And it, it just, nobody was interested. But then he went to KTTV Channel 11 in Los Angeles. And wouldn't you know it, there were two guys, J.R. Sterling and Bob, Donah- Bob Donahue, who were active desert racers to the point that they had cactus on their desk that really? they had pulled from their, I think it says pulled from their derrieres <laughs> yeah, after a hundred mile race across the Mojave Desert. So he brought it again, right people, right time. Right people, and right so time. And so they started airing it on there. The show aired at 9.30 p.m. on Sunday, June 2nd, 1974 and doubled the audience rating wow. of all their other programs that previously ran in that time period. So, and that's without any pre-production? That's any pre-announcement? Well, yeah. Um, it was just right on the precipice of uh, the Bad Rock, which was um, uh, a Trials. Um, the, yeah, Trials Riders. Yeah, the seven-day. Well, event. what those guys that were at the television station apparently, apparently were not tuned into was what a massive motorcycle race yes. interest Long. audience yes. there was out there across the country. And... Well, you know, obviously, by the time they did the super bikers, I mean, yeah, who did they have doing the doing the, the the announcing. I think the first year was Jim McKay and Jackie Stewart. I mean, <laughs> it, it was they've they everybody realized that this stuff is bigger than big. Yeah, and, it just um, took someone to take that first risk. Well, because motorcyclists never really tried to do anything with it other than what they do, and it just turned out what they do is what the public really wanted to really see. really does yeah exactly which is well, what, what, what is it brad lackey once told me he said that the best stuff happens in bars yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, or on a and, napkin you know, yeah. and, and i'm reminded of the saying that if it wasn't for beer roofers would rule the world oh and <laughs> you know i heard that one i had heard that one but i'm gonna use it <laughs> Yeah, there's a little bit of that at play here is that, you know, the, the there's not a lot of the motorcycle community that was thinking, hmm, how could I monetize? Right, yeah, right, yeah, for right. sure, for thought. sure. The, the, other, oh, the other thing that I'm flipping through back and forth is um, early in the segment, you said, oh, like, oh, no, here they here comes Peter Starr. What now? Or um, here comes Norm DeWitt. Exactly, what now? What now? Yeah. Um, he opened up in his book about how intimidated he was. It was actually intimidating early on because there were these great, successful, confident racers on the track. And um, they would wonder, oh, how is Peter Starr going to portray me and my mm. image? They didn't know at first. Sure. And so he said when he was first getting into it, it, it says here um, in 74, he's making reference to it. He was intimidated approaching them because they just didn't know how he was going to portray them in their image. So I thought that was honest, and it kind of, that jolted my memory. Well, and I think, Norm, you can kind of appreciate that, because, I mean, I'm sure there's enough people that you have confronted that you might have been just a tad intimidated because of what they've done and who they were. 
it used to be kind of comical. I'd be at the office because I'd work for engineering and architecture firms for you know my entire adult. Oh, life. that's how you made your money. And, 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 well, yeah, absolutely. Not <laughs> <laughs> in journalism. I no way. And um, and you know the 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 secretary would buzz my desk, and she goes. You have a call. It's from, and she get this really weird note and sound to her voice, and she go, Parnelli Jones, <laughs> and you're Mario. going, <gasps> Mario Andretti. <laughs> like, is this really happening? You know, and and, and and admittedly, I there's a couple of guys, and one of which was kind of my childhood hero was uh, Jackie Stewart, and. You know, I remember the first time I worked with him after after we chatted for a while on the, on the phone, and I kind of put the phone down. And I just kind of sat there, took a deep breath, and Man. myself. And Man. Thought, you know, I remember doing the scrapbooks when I was a little boy. Sure. Jackie Stewart and the Matra, you know, and and uh, here I am. Yeah. You know, and hey, uh, I didn't go to my high school graduation prom because Monaco was on the same oh night gosh. on TV. And the girl I was dating at the time, she says, what do you mean you're not taking me to the prom? I said, wait, what? are you kidding? Mon- Mon- I mean, Monica, Monica. I mean, yeah, I mean, no. So, all right, let's take a quick yeah, break. I remember they used to, sh- in Monaco would, you know, sometimes they would show it on, they'd show it on World Wide Sports, World of Sports. An enormous I know. delay or it'd be like, you know, weeks later and it used to just piss me off. Because- I didn't care. I just wanted to make sure I seen it. I will have a slight disagreement. Jimmy Clark, as far as I'm concerned, was the real deal. Don't say nothing. We're going to take a break. And if you want to comment when we come back, you are listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl and Brittany Sandoval with the Peter Starr Memorial. And, oh, yeah, that guy, Norm DeWitt, who liked that Jimmy Clark guy. Right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Ah. Folks, welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl and Brittany Sandoval. This is the Peter Starr celebration of life. Unfortunately, he passed away at the tender age of 80. He had so much more to give. But let me tell you, his cup was runneth over. We've got uh, uh, Norm DeWitt. He was kind enough to to spend his day chatting with us. John's Automotive Import Repair sponsored this segment, 7447 University Avenue. Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, AAA approved. Nobody, absolutely nobody does it better. And again, I cannot thank Norm enough. Uh, Norm is one of the premier uh, journalists in the automotive field. Uh, he's got books out and uh, making it faster. What, one and two? I- Search for speed and. And two is specific to Indy cars and right. Formula One. How do people find your uh, books? Um, well, they can find them easily enough on Amazon. Okay. It's probably mm-hmm. the simplest. Or they can always go to makingitfaster.com, which right. is my website, which has links to all the books. So, yeah. Where are you based at? The simplest. I'm in Point Loma. No. Well, why you didn't you come in? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
goes too far I to drive. A, He's yeah, retired. I'm a firm believer in the conservation of energy. Oh, uh, right. Keeping all the energy in my battery, and I might need it on the next straight. You know. Well, I'm going to tell you right now on air in front of everybody. If you Uh-oh. ever want to come to KUSI to promote your books. Uh, we'll dig up a race car, stick it on the patio, and I'm more than happy to give you uh, the option to, to let the world know what, what a wonderful author you are. And since KUSI just got sold to Fox 5, God only knows what's going to happen in the next six months. Well, it's, it, we live in a world of flux, you know. Yes. I'm a, a, you know, it's just the reality of it. I mean, I'm a sailboat racer as well for oh, really? years. and. And I've written, you know, done, you know, America's Cup and analyst analysis uh, articles on the technological side for various uh, magazines over the years, and talk about things changing. <laughs> you think? Watch a foiling monohull go by, or yeah. one of those foiling catamarans where if you dip a hull in the drink for a moment, you've lost. Hey, I was so, laid off. I was laid off for a while. Uh, both my ex-wife and I were laid off at the same exact time, and we used to watch the America's Cup all the way into midnight, one, two, three, sitting on the edge of our seats, watching Connors and rooting for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I know I totally get where you're coming from. But Peter Starr, like I said, folks, if you have, are not aware, passed away last month in June. Uh, an amazing individual. He's got plenty of books out there. All you have to do is Google him, and you'll be able to find out the history of this little Brit that showed up in the 60s. I think he was in the same plane as the Beatles because he seems to have taken along some of that uh, glory that came with him. But Brittany and I had the honor of having him in the mm-hmm. show, what, a couple times? Yeah. And just an amazing, amazing storyteller. And I think that's what it takes to do what he did. You have to have that storyteller mentality. And, and Norm is the same exact way. You have to be a storyteller to be able to get that out to where the public will embrace whatever it is you're doing. I've written, read both of Norm's books. And, I, you know, I, it was one of those types of deals where you can't put it down. It was that well written. But going back to Peter, when was the last time you actually seen or had any involvement with Peter? Oh, probably at one of the MotoGPs yeah. at some point in the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't missed an, an American uh, motorcycle Grand Prix in, I don't know, I guess it's been almost 30 years since they held one that I wasn't at. Wow. That's commitment. So, That's commitment. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was the sort of thing we were always kind of crossing paths in the in the press center or on the on the paddock or in the pit lane or somewhere you know so well he was like you he was he was always there whatever was going on he was there we're both working on something we're both got something some angle that we're working on for some story or some bio piece or whatever and so you know it it's a little bit like you know crossing paths at work Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, he survived by his sister, Lynn Greer, his nephew, Stuart Greer, and Richard Greer. Uh, who was the one that we hooked up with? Was it any one of those three? Because I don't I think there was. I feel like his nephew posted something, and then that's when I contacted oh, gotcha. you last week. 
Yeah, that's how I'm we. I'm still can. waiting to hear more about this Jim Clark stuff. <laughs> you know, oh, he did not forget. Uh, and go. Were you not a Jim Clark <laughs> fan? I was a massive Jim Clark fan. I saw Jim Clark's last race in the United States, which was in an IndyCar at Riverside. I joined the Army oh, because there. of him. Yeah. I oh, joined really? It was him. In 1966, I joined to go to Germany to buy a Lotus Super 7 kit car. Take he had a, a plan. To take all the driving schools, because the U.S. didn't have anything, but. come back to the United States and become another Jimmy Clark. I had it all figured out. It was all written on paper and everything. The Army didn't know. And the Army thought North Korea was a much better place for me to go. And I've never, ever, ever forgiven the military <laughs> for still, that. You still walk around in a kilt or something? Yes, or? I do. He's wearing one right now. Don't I stand have, up too hey, fast, Dave. I have my Drummond Tartan. That It's funny you say that because I used to carry my, my Tartan in my dress uniform and every time i got inspection i passed one time i forgot to put it in my pocket and i failed miserably hey i'm not buying any of this tartan stuff because <laughs> for years you, you look at jackie stewart's helmets yeah. and he always had that kind of red and black yeah. and yeah. white yeah. tartan that would go around his helmet yeah and then when he started his own formula one team all of a sudden everything was like green and <laughs> Turquoise and and it's like, hey, wait a minute, are you, are you Scott's just making. This hey, stuff wait a up minute. So I know. I can't. You know, you're the only guy I've ever spoken to that's caught the same thing. Said it out loud. I caught. No, and I went, hey, <laughs> this what, said what? it out loud. Yeah. is probably closer what, to it. What happened? When it? When did you change? All right, hey, Brendan's got another. I have no idea what the heck's going on. I there. know. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, this stuff is nonsense. Yeah, totally. It's it was just all publicity but hey brendan's got another clip that he's dug up what what give us a preview what sure is it? so this was when we were discussing about his podcast that he had at the oh, time yeah. Peter star uh-huh. uh before this he was talking about how kenny rogers he mm-hmm. mentioned to him in the interview uh because he interviewed him and then roberts uh, or uh, rogers kenny Ro- uh, roberts okay. uh, he mentioned to not Roger. <laughs> uh kenny roberts uh he mentioned to him he's like you know i filmed you back in 1974 so mm-hmm. it's almost been 50 years later he goes wow that's surprising Surprising that it's been that long? No, surprising I haven't strangled you yet. <laughs> but then he goes on to uh, talk about uh, one of our favorite people that we had on the show, Lars Larson. So let's take a listen to what he had to say. Yeah, let's take a listen. Lars Larson. I did a film called The Bad Rock Band in 1973, and Lars was in that film. And I said, I questioned him. Uh, he was in The Bad Rock Enduro. And I said to him, uh, you know, do you, what do you do? Do you carry a snake bike kit on your, on your outfit? And he says, you got snakes up here? You know, and his face went totally white. Oh, he doesn't like snakes. That's a good story. That's a good one. I'm telling you, that's that's amazing. And, and you know, yeah, Norm. Lars was the, Lars was the first um, of the Husqvarna suites yeah. Oh, yeah. in the United States. He lot, still races. People know that he was number He was the first, and I think it was Gunnar Lindstrom was second. Yep. And he still so. races at his yeah. age. For Husqvarna, you talk about, you think Ivan Stewart is hardcore to Toyota. I mean, Lars just, yeah, it's. I was going to have Lars call in, but he's in Sweden right now. Is he in like, Sweden? It's a time, yeah. Well, time you'll have to send, you'll have send to send it, this yeah. to him. 
Yeah. That's what he was doing last I heard too. Half the year in Sweden, yep. half the year. He's still doing. He's got to make his wife happy or something. Yeah, he's happy in Sweden. Wife's happy here. So yeah. it's literally down the middle, like six down. months. Six months. Oh, really? he only lives two miles from me. So does he really? Yeah, we're neighbors. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, hey, I got to tell you, Norm. I honestly can't thank you enough. You absolutely Appreciate made it. the show. We're gonna blast. We'll, I'll send you a copy of it. You can send it to anybody that knew Peter. Uh, it, it's totally yours to do with whatever you like. But I, I honestly cannot thank you enough. And if you ever want to get on TV and promote your books, I am here for you. Uh, all you have to do is just let me know, and I'll set you up a date. And you're always welcome on radio. You're, you're a plethora of knowledge, whether it's two wheel, four wheel. Or even one wheel. So, buddy, thank yeah. you I'll again. You a, I'll send you an illustration I have on my wall. I commissioned an artist to do, Jim Clark at Monza in 1967. It's a beautiful uh, illustration. And uh, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll take a picture of it and, All and right, send it up. You, you do that, my friend. You do it. Thank you very, very much. Folks, I hope you enjoy. Oh, yes. And- just peter you'll be missed yes thank you for all that our hearts and prayers are with you and your family and you've given a lot back to the community the motorcycle and the movie world preservation of so much history absolutely all right we're gonna take you got it buddy thanks man you're the best we're gonna take a quick break when we come back you ought to know fm 961 am 